Today, we're continuing a series we started last week entitled, Let's Talk About It, where we talk about spiritual and mental health. Because we truly believe here at Westover that God cares about every area of our life. He cares about our spiritual health, our relational health, our physical health, our mental health, our emotional health. And today, what I want to lean in on is start a conversation about emotional health. Because emotional health is essential for our relationships. You see, when we encounter someone who has emotional intelligence, they're emotionally healthy, we have a tendency to gravitate towards them. Why? Because they are stable all the time. You know when when you encounter them, whether it's in a good moment or a difficult moment, that they're going to show up and they're going to be available and they're going to be consistent emotionally. On the other hand, when we encounter someone who is not stable emotionally, maybe they're going through a difficult moment, we find that they go up and down, up and down, up and down in their emotions, and what happens is we create distance. We create distance between us and them, and often that can be our experience. Yes, we can encounter people who are not really fully integrated with their emotions, but I believe God wants to work in our heart and in our life so that we can be emotionally healthy. It's the reason why I've titled today's message, Faith Over Feelings. Faith Over Feelings. We need to choose our faith over our feelings. Now keep in mind when we choose our faith over our feelings, that doesn't mean that our feelings go away. What that means is that we run our feelings through a faith filter. We ask God to inform our feelings so that we can live a life of faith. And I believe God is going to share some insights to us today about how we can live a life of faith and have our feelings be under our faith today. I want to invite you to join me in the book of Philippians chapter 4. And while you're turning there, I want to share with you a little bit about what's happening in this passage. We're going to look at verses 4 through 7. This book was written by a guy by the name of Paul. He was a first century follower of Jesus. And what's especially significant about Philippians is that he wrote it while he was in prison. Now, if there's anyone who had any reason to complain about anything, it's Paul while he was in prison. But it didn't matter that he was in chains and that he was locked up. He may have been locked up physically, but he was free spiritually. In fact, I want to invite you to look at these words through the lens and the understanding that Paul was in prison. So let's look at the Word of God together. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Say rejoice. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Yes, he's coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about what? Everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, this is, this is, if we do that, then this is what will happen. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What Paul is telling us today is that we don't have to live on the whims of our emotions We can live based on the word of God, and we can allow our faith to inform and lead our feelings. Today, I want to share with you a couple ways that we can choose our faith 
over our feelings. Number one, trust Jesus, not your feelings. Trust Jesus, not your feelings. We live in a culture and in a time where people are led by their emotions. Whatever they feel they're going to do. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. God, on the other hand, is inviting us to trust him and not our feelings. This is what Paul tells us in verses 4 through 6. I want to read these again for us. Always be full of what? Joy. Be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. What Paul is telling us here is that we can either be filled with worry or filled with joy. Filled with worry or filled with joy. When we're filled with worry, that means we have a negative internal experience even when life is going great. But when we have joy in our life, our life can be falling apart, but we still look at the positive outlook. The fact that God is with us, that he is for us, that we still have our health, that we still have our family. We're able to celebrate the good that's still happening in our life. I've seen this time again. Worry or joy will not change your circumstance, but it will change your experience of that circumstance. We need to allow God to put the lenses of faith over our hearts so that when we look at our circumstances, we see what God can do and what he will do. We may not be happy about what's happening in our life, but we can rejoice that Jesus is in the storm with us. We can hold fast to that. But I want to take this conversation a little bit deeper and suggest to us that emotions, even though they are real, they are not truth. Emotions, even though they're real, they're not truth. Yes, they're part of our subjective experience. Yes, they're facts. Yes, they are real to us, but they are not God's truth. You see, our emotions, they are the internal experience we have when life happens to us. Our emotions, again, are what we experience on the inside when life happens to us. I'll give you some example. When you go on a roller coaster, you may feel nervousness, excitement, exhilaration. The event that's happening upon you is riding the roller coaster, but what's your internal experience? Is nervousness, excitement, exhilaration. I'll give you another example. When you're driving down the road and someone cuts you off, that's the external experience. And what you're experiencing internally sometimes is irritation, frustration. You're like, oh my goodness, why would they do that to me? But I want to make a special distinction here. And I want to suggest to you that feelings are not the same as our mood. Feelings are not the same as our mood. You see, our feelings are what happens in the first 90 seconds of when life happens upon us. So when you're cut off by someone on the road, the feelings you have in that moment are valid, they're real, but after about 90 seconds, you have a choice. Are you going to just say, hey, that's them, and I'm going to calm down, or are you going to be irritated and frustrated the rest of the day, the rest of the week? You know, your kids are in the back asking for McDonald's, and you're frustrated yelling at them. That's your mood. That isn't your feelings. We have an option today. We have a choice God's presenting before us. Are we going to be led by our feelings in our mood or by God's word and truth? I believe that some of us, if we're really honest, we're stuck in the past. We are experiencing a mood that was created by, created by a situation that happened in a moment of time, and we've been stuck there days, weeks, months, even years. 
And I believe God's inviting us to not be led by our mood and our emotions, but to be led by his truth. But in order for us to truly embrace the truth of God's word, we have to address some of the lies that we find in the culture. I want to share with you a couple that you may have encountered on social media. Maybe you've heard it in the culture. It's important that we address these lies so that then we can embrace God's truth. First one is this. Trust your vibes. Energy doesn't lie. Now, what you'll discover is that there are half-truths to some of these statements. Yes, when they highlight energy, what they're actually saying is you need to pay attention to what you connect to because energy is spiritual as the culture defines it. But I want to give you a biblical perspective. Don't just trust any energy or vibe that you're around. Why? Because it may not be coming from the Holy Spirit. It may be coming from the enemy. And we need to allow ourselves to say, yes, I'm going to connect to the power, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to reject the energy and the power of the enemy. Here's another lie that we need to address. I've heard it said, tell your truth. Your feelings are truth. Well, what they're saying here is they're saying, yes, they're acknowledging the fact that it's real. It's part of your subjective experience. It's facts that you need to pay attention to in your life about how you're experiencing the outside world. But what this statement is making, it's making a claim that your feelings are not just subjective truth, but that they are biblical truth. They are God's truth and that it couldn't be further from the truth. Our feelings are not the same as God's word. Third thought, trust your gut, trust your intuition. Unless in a moment you're being led by the Holy Spirit, don't trust your gut or trust your intuition because I've discovered that our heart can lie to us. I'll give you a biblical example. This is what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? That's God's definition of the heart, the human heart that he gave us. Don't underestimate our ability to lie to ourselves about what we really feel and whether it's true or not. So don't trust your feelings. Instead, instead test your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. Instead, test your feelings. You see, even salt looks like sugar until you taste it. We need to make sure that just because we feel it doesn't mean it's the truth of God's word. We can trust God. We can trust his word. We can trust who he is because God tells us in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord and I do not change. He is someone that's consistent, someone that shows up. You see, our emotions can go all over the place. We can feel one way in one moment and another way in another moment. It reminds me of something that happened in my relationship with Danae early on. We were dating. We were both in grad school. We were study, 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 and more study. And I remember one moment I called her up on the phone. I said, hey, where are you at? She says, I'm headed to the store to go shopping with my friends. I said, well, uh, I need you to go to your apartment. Um, remember when we were studying yesterday? I forgot my notebook, and I've got a test i got to study for. She said, in a very irritated tone. I couldn't believe it. She said, can it wait? And I said, no, it can't wait. So she hung up the phone uh, very abruptly. And uh, I realized that she was irritated and frustrated by my absent-mindedness. But in one moment, her whole mood changed. 
Because the moment she walked into her apartment, her friend helped me get into her apartment. When she walked in, she saw candles lit and she saw rose petals on the floor. And she realized in that moment, I was about to propose. And she went from being irritated and frustrated to joyful and excited. Guess what? I survived that moment. And she said, yes. I share that example because in a moment's notice, our feelings and emotions can change. But I want to remind us, God's word never changes. We can build our life on the fact that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to share with you some insights on what happens when we get depleted in life. In fact, I want to share with you eight states that can happen in our life that we need to pay attention to because instead of raising our ramps, we end up going downhill in our ramps, in our relationships, in our attitude, in our mindset, in our physical experience, and in, in, uh, in our spiritual life. Here are the eight states, and I'm going to use the acronym HALT BOSS, H-A-L-T-B-O-S-S, HALT BOSS. And for those of you who want to take notes, I just want to say most of these notes are found in the Westover app. I know some of you are taking notes and you're working real hard. There is the Westover app. You can actually download those notes and take notes there as well. Here's what HALT BOSS stands for. Hurt, angry, lonely, tired. Hurt, angry, lonely, tired. Hurt, angry, lonely, tired. And for some of us, it's hangry. Hangry is the H. Boss stands for bored, overwhelmed, sad, or stressed. Bored, overwhelmed, sad, or stressed. When we're in one of these eight states in our life, we're going to experience anxiety and worry. Why? Because we are depleted in our life, either emotionally, relationally, physically in some way. We need to pay attention to how we show up in our relationships in those moments. We need to find ways for God to refresh us in those areas. Because when we are in any of these states, what happens is we experience stress and we respond to stress in one of five ways. I want to share these five ways with you today. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and fold. Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, and fold. Let me explain them to you real quickly. The fight response is just as it sounds. This is when people get irritated, when people get irritated and frustrated, when they get bothered, when they, when they slam doors and, and get frustrated, that is the fight response. Flight, that is when people disconnect, when they pull away, when you're talking to them and they give you one word answers, when suddenly they were engaged in the conversation, but then they their eyes glaze over, they give the thousand mile stare and you realize they're not paying attention anymore. Maybe they're on social media, they've disconnected. That's the flight response. The freeze is just as it sounds, it's the deer in headlights. When, st when stress shows up, what ends up happening is they freeze. They can't think, they can't make decisions. They're, uh, 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 I don't know what else to do. The fawn response is just as it sounds. When you fawn over someone, you're paying a special amount of attention to someone else. But Fawning in this stress context, what it means is this is the person who cracks jokes right in the middle of a serious moment when it's not appropriate. They're actually trying to people please. And when people are expressing the fawn response, the people pleasing response, it's not a healthy response. It's actually a way that they're trying to slow down the stress and anxiety that they're feeling 
by controlling the environment around them. It's a trauma response that people learn when they've been in trauma or they've been in a relationship that's unhealthy where they've learned, I can't really share my true feelings. I've got to people please. And the last one is fold. This is when there's a total meltdown. Emotionally, relationally, physically, this is when uh, a little kid uh, throws a temper tantrum and rolls right in the middle of Walmart. Uh, this is uh, when a, a kid slams a door and then they open the door again, yell and slam it again. This is when people experience road rage and they're cutting off everybody. This is what happens when people experience these things. But today there's good news. I want to share with you seven ways to lower your anxiety, your stress. Here they are. Number one, reduce screen time. Number two, breathe. Number three, get moving. Number four, cold plunge. Number five, brown noise. Number six, worship music. And number seven, pray. I want to share with you and unpack for you what these each mean. The first one is reduce screen time. Why? Because screens can be both helpful and harmful. Yes, they connect us to people. They allow us to receive information. Uh, but truly, sometimes too much screen time is not healthy for us. If you're watching the news and you are discouraged by watching the news, don't watch the news. Just read the news online. And then you can monitor how much of that goes in because we're consuming it. But I also want to suggest to us that I think the area where we need to focus most in on our screen time is when it comes to social media. And you may be wondering, why is social media so addicting? Well, let me share with you why. It's because social media is optimized to make you feel good. As you're scrolling and experiencing new and novel videos and content, you get excited. And what happens is the body expresses a chemical called dopamine. Dopamine is a reward chemical. The problem is, is that social media gives us cheap dopamine. We watch one video, we watch another reel, we watch something else, and what happens is it's dopamine, 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 dopamine. The problem is, is that we're supposed to experience dopamine after we've done something significant, we've worked hard, we've accomplished it, and then we experience dopamine. That's the appropriate response because when we've done something difficult and then we experience the reward of dopamine, it makes us feel better. The problem with social media is it's cheap dopamine. Here's the downside of social media is not only does it make you feel good, it makes you feel bad as well. Why? Because right after you've watched one video, the anticipation of waiting for the next video or next story causes us to pause in anticipation and it creates stress for us. Whenever we're waiting to receive something new, our body automatically tenses up. Those micro tenses that happen in our body that we're not even aware of release a stress hormone called cortisol. So what does social media do? They give you dopamine, give you some cortisol to make you feel bad, that then makes you want more dopamine and watch another story. That's why it's so addictive. Makes you feel good, makes you feel bad, and then it offers you a solution to feel good again. The problem with watching hours upon hours of social media is you get all this cortisol built up in your system. You're sitting there, you're not moving around, and it's cortisol, 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 cortisol. Well, the only way that we can properly metabolize cortisol is by moving our body. Why? Because when we get our blood moving, we're actually using our muscles. It's using and burning through that cortisol. It's also flowing that cortisol through our kidneys and our liver, and it's filtering it out. But when we sit there and we're not moving and all this cortisol ends up in our body, we feel terrible. 
This is why we need to reduce screen time. I want to share with you another way that we can reduce our stress and anxiety. It's by breathing. See, breathing is one of those things that we do automatically, but it's also something that we can do consciously. It is actually the bridge between our unconscious stress and our conscious life. Our unconscious stress and our conscious life. I want to share with you a way to breathe to reduce worry, anxiety, stress in your life. It's two breaths in, back to back, through your nose, and one long breath out through your mouth. Two breaths in, back to back, through your nose, and one long breath out through your mouth. It sounds like this. Do it with me. Do it again. You do that three to five times, you're actually going to experience a lowering in your stress and your anxiety. Why? Because the first breath opens up the top of your lungs, the second breath opens up the bottom of your lungs, and then you actually are exhaling the carbon dioxide. You're ingesting, you're incorporating oxygen into your body, and you're expelling uh, carbon dioxide and that actually reduces your stress. The other added benefit is that breathing through your nose releases a chemical called nitric oxide. I'll give you the very basic understanding of nitric oxide. It does one of two things. It actually helps your body retain oxygen and actually distribute oxygen to your body. So when you breathe in through your nose, you're actually bringing that nitric oxide into your system and it actually makes you feel better. Why? Because when we stop breathing or we breathe shallow like we do when we're watching social media, we get mildly hypoxic. That means we don't get enough oxygen and our body stresses up. But when we get enough oxygen, we begin to relax. This is why breathing is so important. Just breathe. The third is get moving. As I said before, movement will help you metabolize stress and cortisol. It'll help you use the chemicals that are in your body to address the stress that you're facing and your body will burn through it. The fourth is cold plunge. Why cold plunge? Whether it's getting in a cold pool, taking a cold shower, or splashing your face with cold water, what does that do? That will snap you out of a stress state. It'll wake you up, and when you splash yourself with cold water, what do you do? Automatically, you take a deep breath. That begins the process of oxygenating your system. And if you stay in a cold plunge long enough, you're taking a lot of deep breaths because that's what your body's responding. And when you get more oxygen, what happens? your stress and anxiety goes down. It also will snap you out of a stuck state in your mind if you splash yourself with cold water. Number five is brown noise. It's actually a deeper sound than white noise. And just so you know, it's not Tejano music, okay? <laughs> I know. I know some of you are thinking that. No, it's not. It's actually a sound that will calm you down. Worship music, what does it do? It puts us in God's presence. It focuses in us on him where, where he becomes bigger than our problems that's what worship music does and finally pray which leads us to the second way that we can we can uh, we can choose our faith or over, over our feelings it's to pray more to worry less if you want to worry less make sure to pray more why because worry is a prayer that doesn't include god worry is a prayer that doesn't include god you're looking at your problems your situation and you're failing to realize that God is right there, right next to you. This is a self-centered focus on our problems when we worry. But when we pray, what we're doing is we're presenting our needs and concerns to God. And this is what Paul tells us in verse 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. 
What we're doing when we're praying is we're saying, God, I'm concerned about this thing in my business. I'm concerned about the fact that my grass is crunchy. I'm concerned about how my relationship with my coworker is going. We can present our needs big and small to God and he'll be able to take care of it. It's the way we offload our problems to him and experience his peace in our life. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. But anxiety, worry, and fear go a little, dif- a little deeper. They're not just emotions, they're actually spiritual states. Because what I've discovered is that Satan always offers an alternative to God. And what he wants to do is minister a spiritual state that comes from Satan. He wants to give you the spiritual fruit of Satan in your life. He wants you to feel anxiety, worry, fear, anger, lust, pride, envy, selfishness, hopelessness, suicidal thoughts. He wants you to experience all of those instead of experiencing the presence of God. I'll give you a biblical rationale for this. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says this, for God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. This tells us that there are spirits that minister fear, anxiety, worry, timidity, causing us to pull back. But he instead gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. When you look at the word of God in Galatians 5, what we discover is the fruit of the spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit gives to us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what the Holy Spirit creates in us. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to step in and give us the spiritual state that we need. We don't need to absorb the spiritual state of Satan, the mood that he gives us. We can instead choose to be led by the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. In just a moment, we're going to have an opportunity where we gather together in worship. And we're going to ask God to transform our mind and our heart to give us his spiritual state. So we're not subject to the mood of the enemy. We're not subject to, to be led by our emotions, but to be led by God instead. I want to share with you before we get to that moment that we have a couple resources we want to make available to you. It's found on our family resource page. We invite you to visit our family resource page. You can also access our family resource page via the app. I also want to make mention, parents, as you leave today, when you go pick up your kids, you can pick up this card that'll help you in your walk of faith and in your mental health with your kids. Which leads me to the last way. We can choose our faith over our feelings. It's by following the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit to find peace. Follow the Holy Spirit to find peace. Look what verse seven says. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What God is telling us is this, is that if we follow the Holy Spirit, he'll lead us into God's presence. I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus is the Prince of Peace. When we have worry and anxiety, he says, don't try to deal with it on your own. Instead, come to me. Give me your worries. Give me your concerns. Pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. Come to me and you can find rest for your soul. And this is what God is presenting to us today. Are we willing to choose our faith in God's truth over our feelings? 
my prayer is that each one of us does. Today, as I close, I want to invite you to stand. And I want us to create an atmosphere where God is welcome. So here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and raise your hands. Close your eyes, bow your heads, raise your hands. We're going to welcome the Holy Spirit into this moment. God, we welcome you even now. We pray, Lord, that you'll minister to us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Minister love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, God. I know that there are people here in this room and those online who are experiencing worry and fear and concern and frustration, and they don't know what to do. May they run to you even now. May they seek your presence, and may they discover that you're here to minister to them. You care about our feelings. You care about our emotions. And I pray, Lord, that they would welcome you in. I just invite you even right now to just say, Jesus, you're welcome. Jesus, you're welcome. Jesus, you're welcome. He's here in this place. He's ready to meet with you. In fact, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. They're going to be here up at the front. They would love to pray with you and encourage you to experience the power and the presence of God in this moment. Whether you're facing big issues or just small challenges, they'd love to partner with you so that you can experience the presence of God in a tangible way. They're here available to pray with you. So we invite you to come. And even if you don't need prayer, but you just need more of the presence of God, our altars are also open. We always welcome people to step into God's presence where they can discover his peace. So now I invite you, let's raise our hands. And let's begin to worship God. Jesus, right now, I ask that you minister spiritual states that come from you to your people. I pray, Lord, you break off the fear and the worry and the anxiety that has been ministered to people over years, if not decades. I ask you, God, through your Holy Spirit, that you'll step in and begin to transform minds and hearts, God, that people will leave here transformed by the power of your presence. We need you today, God, and we worship you because you are holy and you are worthy and we lift you up and we worship you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship God and let's lift up his name together.